Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Thank you for being with me on this day of St. Oscar Romero, martyr. He was assassinated on this day 42 years ago, March 24th, 1980. He had been the Archbishop of San Salvador for only a few years. And on the day of his death, Oscar Romero apparently had spent time uh, in a recollection organized by Opus Dei. It was a monthly gathering with priest friends where they came together to reflect on the nature of the priesthood as an extension of Jesus' ministry and presence in the world. Afterwards, uh, the Archbishop began celebrating Mass at a small chapel at Divine Providence Hospital, which specialized in oncology and care for the terminally ill. Romero's sermon uh, was short, but uh, he had been calling on Salvadoran soldiers as Christians to obey God's order and to stop following orders that commanded them to violate the basic human rights of fellow Christians. We don't know if the archbishop was remembering what a different path his spiritual journey had taken since becoming archbishop. Here he was now issuing a direct challenge to the soldiers who knew, uh, who he knew were responsible for dozens of executions of clergy and peasant farmers. This is something he wasn't doing before he was archbishop. The death of a friend less than a month after Romero became Archbishop of El Salvador, had forced him to reconsider the safety of his earlier message. He had a friend and colleague, a Jesuit, Rutulo Grande, who was machine-gunned down as punishment for helping peasants organize in order to improve their social conditions. Uh, Romero did not always agree with with Grande, but they were friends. And... uh, After Grandi's death, in fact, uh, a right-wing paramilitary group ordered all Jesuits to leave the country or die. Gives you some idea of the tensions of the country. But his friend uh, Grandi's murder forced Romero to compare his own passive tolerance of the status quo. And he thought he compared unfavorably with Grandi's commitment to actively fight against injustice, even if Grande's means at times uh, could not be approved by Romero. But the situation in El Salvador was dire. On one day alone, January 22, 1979, uh, right-wing paramilitary snipers killed 21, wounded 120, for staging a peaceful protest in downtown San Salvador. Outside of the city, it wasn't uncommon for peasant farmers and their families to be murdered and their bodies left to rot on roadsides as warnings to others who might get a bit uppity. 2% of the population controlled 57% of the nation's usable land. The 16 richest families owned the same amount of land utilized by, believe it or not, of a quarter of a million of the poorer families. I mean, you can't help but think here of the situation in Russia right now where approximately 500 families control nearly half the nation's wealth. Romero was a serious shepherd of the people. He had to speak out. He was seeing hungry farm workers beaten, shot for eating a piece of the very produce they grew. He saw mines and factories operating under the idea that it was cheaper to replace a dead or crippled worker than to repair defective equipment. 60% of all babies died at birth, and 75% of those who survived were malnourished. Hundreds 
of thousands, maybe thousands of men and women, children dying from diseases that could have been cured by basic conditions. Romero saw himself as the voice of those without a voice. And he began to ask what are now considered famous questions. How can Christians do such things to each other? And what can the church do to help? He found his answer not in Marxist liberation theology, although some have tried to make that case. He saw the answer in Christ's message of liberation. You know, Romero was ordained and configured to be an altar Christus. He stood in the place of Jesus. And he was well familiar with Luke chapter 4, where Jesus identifies his mission. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When he had been raised to archbishop, he said that he had been called to Christ a second time to the Christ that now spoke to him in the Beatitudes. And he immediately sprung into action. He wrote to President Carter on May 11th of 1979, explaining that well-intentioned U.S. support was being actually used against the people. It was intended to help. He met with Pope John Paul II, uh, and, you know, the, the Holy Father encouraged him to work with the unity among the bishops, work together. But, uh, Archbishop Romero failed to get the Holy See to condemn the Salvadoran military regime for their human rights violations and their death squads. A month before his death, he went to Europe, to Belgium, to the Catholic University of Louvain there, and uh, gave an address. He wanted to make his case. Uh, I'll read just a portion of the address because it's really quite shocking. Quote, In less than three years... More than 50 priests have been attacked, threatened, calumniated. Six are already martyrs. They were murdered. Some have been tortured and others expelled. Nuns have been persecuted. The archdiocesan radio station and educational institutions that are Catholic or of a Christian inspiration have been attacked, threatened, intimidated, even bombed. Several parish communities have been raided. If all this has happened to persons who are the most visible representatives of the church, you can guess what has happened to ordinary Christians, uh, to the peasant farmers, to catechists, lay ministers, or ecclesial-based communities. There have been threats, arrests, tortures, murders, numbering in the hundreds and thousands. But it is important to note why the church has been persecuted, because not any and every priest has been persecuted. And not any and every institution has been attacked. That part of the church that has been attacked and persecuted is that part that has put itself on the side of the people and have gone to the people's defense. End quote. St. Oscar Romero's last speech would be a homily that he gave on the day of his death, just about six weeks after that uh, lecture I quoted from. And he spoke uh, the gospel that day from John chapter 12. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. It was a short mass, and so the homily itself was very short. And as he was giving it, 
a red Volkswagen crossed in front of the chapel, turned around in the parking lot, and parked in an exit position just in front of the chapel's main door. Only uh, the archbishop could have noticed it because the few church assistants who were there had their backs to the door. Outside, however, a few people saw the car. It looked like it had mechanical problems because the driver was struggling with the gear stick. But in the back seat, there was another man who was waiting. Exactly 102 feet uh, from between them, uh, Archbishop Romero began the liturgy of the Eucharist at the altar. He looked towards the door and will never know if he saw the bearded man who was resting a rifle on the back car door, aiming carefully down that long aisle to where the archbishop had begun intoning the Eucharistic liturgy. And then a shot rang out, maybe two, and Romero staggered and fell. His hands, which were preparing to consecrate the body and blood of Christ, now reached for his chest as his own blood pumped from his heart, and his organs made a final, desperate attempt to avoid catastrophe. Witnesses and worshipers gathered round him. Um, we have a few pictures of the scene, by the way. One shows a circle of death. Two women hold the middle part of his back, his left shoulder, his neck, and his head. Urgency, despair mark their faces. Uh, their stretched nostrils are almost prayers, hoping to inhale divine direction and guidance here. Uh, they didn't know what to do. Uh, and amid it all, the archbishop's head is kind of thrown back, his eyes shut, his hands limp, his heavy body scattered under the tunic and the alb. As someone has pointed out, it appears that the only thing that stopped his fall might have been the arms of the women who are holding on to him maternally. He dies in their arms and has given us the Salvadoran version of Michelangelo's Pieta. He goes into shock and was shortly declared dead. During the investigation into his canonization, some argued that he died not as a martyr. Uh, he wasn't dying for the faith, they said. He was dying for his political stances. This is inane because it confuses the motives of the perpetrator with the motives of the victim. Of course, the motives of those who gunned down the archbishop were probably political. They resented his pushing back against the right-wing military government. But the archbishop was not just some political activist. He represented a kingdom not of this world, and he knew and never forgot it. He believed in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. He knew, because he had seen it, the life of his friends, often, by bearing witness to the kingdom of God, got themselves into conflict with the kingdoms of this world. Now, it's true that uh, St. Oscar Romero was admired in the same breath as Nelson Mandela or Martin Luther King Jr. There are even those left-wing activists who put him on a T-shirt with Che Guevara and Fidel Castro. The comparison with Mandela and King makes some sense because they were all Christians, they were all nonviolent, uh, and they believed that the gospel had power to help us act in accord with the better angels of our nature, to use Lincoln's phrase. But the comparison with Che Guevara and Fidel Castro is ludicrous. They were atheists whose communism was their religion and whose violence was their chief means to their ends. Romero was cut from a different cloth, though, than all of them. He knew social change was necessary, but social change wasn't the reason for his existence. The kingdom of God, the utopia that can only be realized with Christ's return, was the reason for his existence. 
It can't be accomplished by political means because it's already been accomplished by the one who is presently seated on the throne. And any time we do the will of God on earth, uh, we in fact give a glimpse of the kingdom of God to those around us. The life of St. Oscar Romero is an icon of the king who is refracted through his life. Politicians from the left and the right can argue all they want, but neither can claim him because he wasn't a political animal. He was a citizen of the kingdom of God, and he calls us to go and do likewise. On this feast of the uh, martyr, St. Oscar Romero, I'm Al Cresto.